welcome to another fantastic episode of the Fem Noir Files. KB trying not to laugh, Shug is like the entire fuck out. I am. It is fabulous. Here, it's fully present. These girls are tripping. Wait, what? she added the word fantastic and it's intro. <laughs> what? I was trying to change it up a little bit. Wait, wait. I, can we pause for a second? I really gonna need to go get my drink now to start. <laughs> okay, we back. Uh, I have my drink, so now we can Yo, resume. Well, I, listen, you started off wrong, so I need to have my cup. I start wrong because I said, "Welcome to another fantastic episode." It is gonna be fucking fantastic. Well, you added an extra F in there. Okay, mm. okay. Mm. What is, what is the drink of the day, ma'am? The drink of the day. Is a little something that I like to call the L special. Oh, Lord. What? It's simply lemonade, rum, and a splash of lavender. It's lavender? Like, you like lavender flavor. Lavender flavoring. It's delicious. You fucking bougie ass. Duh, have we met? Lavender. With a hint of lavender. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is I knew to get my drink. I just knew it. I knew it. Look at God. He he tells me. Just like y'all was talking about me that time. You remember how y'all was talking about me behind my back? This is how I knew. God God gives you intuition. Let's go. Wait, no, we're gonna have to have that soldier boy mean lavender. What? What? <laughs> Fuck both y'all. I want to know what y'all excited about. I don't even care. Well, I'm going to tell you. How about that? So what I'm excited about is that I'm headed to the good old fam you. Fam Fam you. you. Oh, my God. Oh, sorry. I got excited. I apologize. I got excited. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. I'm quiet. I'm done. And two shook. Okay, so I'm excited about my upcoming trip to go see FAMU play Southern University. Uh, hey. we're, we're celebrating our homie, um, the healer, her birthday this weekend. So I'm excited Doc. about that. What's up, Doc? Yes. Hey, Doc. So I'll be heading down there and yeah, so safe, you know, travels for me. Yay. What are you excited about, Shug? You laid up like somebody coming to get something, but go ahead. Ain't nobody coming Negative. to get with that bonnet. Not in that bonnet. Nope. It's game over. When the bonnet comes on and the bra comes off, it's game over. Listen, I have locks, but I'm still, I don't give a damn. Like, you're going to take this high cone, okay? Mm-mm. Okay. It's game over. I'm excited about this new episode of Wu-Tang that I should be watching because we're a whole 40 minutes behind schedule, but it's all <laughs> It's all they good. They didn't have to know that. They did I'm not just, have to know because the show's still going to come out at the same time. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but we're still 40 minutes behind schedule. I could be watching Wu-Tang right now. Woo. Just saying. Tang. Woo-Tang. So you can sing, but I can't sing. I see how it is. Y'all listen. Listen, me. Linda. Y'all discriminate against me. That ain't right. Lavender! <laughs> <laughs> What are, you, what are you excited about, L? Nothing. I quit. Y'all just get the fuck off. Y'all Don't be like that. I can't even see your face. What you mean? I hurt your feelings. Where are you? I can see I'm her here, perfectly. I'm here. I can see you, L. Don't worry about it. That's Thank just, you. That's there just, you go. Oh, my gosh. She want to see your whole body. You want to see her titty titty? Really? I want to see. I want to see it all. Hey. You nasty. Hey, L, this is your last chance. Do you are you excited about anything? This is your last chance. Actually, you know what? I am excited because I have officially decided to become an entrepreneur. Hey. So yeah. So I have a name. I secured my first client. Um, and I actually went to a workshop this past weekend, which is really, really cool. So that's what I'm excited for women entrepreneurs. It was free and I got a lot of great information. So I'm super, super excited. Woohoo! Congrats. Yeah. What, what are we starting? When or what? What? What are we oh, starting? Oh, it's event planning. Okay. That's what's up. And I yes. hope you guys have taken, you know, advantage of Leah Murphy since we're talking about, you know, moving up and moving on to new, bigger and better things. Absolutely. If you guys haven't heard the last episode, check that out. Yeah, because she's hot. So also, do y'all watch? Well, apparently, I think I'm the only one that watches The Real Housewives of Potomac. I watch you it. You are. I watch it. 
Patanka. Oh, that's what um, for what? Funky Doniva says. Patanka. Oh, but go ahead. God. You always call him Funky Dan Doniva. So then you heard that Giselle and Jamal Harrison Bryant have reunited, correct? And they're dating again. Oh, news. We heard that they was and at then, they was at the um, Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle show. show. Yes, we talked about that, but we we did not know for sure. But she confirmed it in the part one of the reunion. But one thing that she said that I thought was super interesting was that they have not been together in eleven years. And twelve. She said that, oh, twelve. My bad. They have not been together in twelve years, and that people are not their mistakes. So she was like, he has grown since then. She has grown since then. So now they're just working on moving forward. So I thought that Ugh. was pretty cool. Oop, don't do that. Yeah. I thought What's that was cool. I mean, if they can reconcile after 12 years, more power to them, but I kind of just don't care. Okay. Next. <laughs> Next. Well, I, I thought it was funny when one of the ladies, I guess, said, if there's anybody that can deal with her, it's Jamal. I thought it was, I thought it was. Oh yeah, funny. that's what Karen said. Yeah, Karen. Karen, Karen was is shady. Karen was laying the girls out, and I loved it. Okay, I loved it. But anyway, um, yeah. So I also was reading this article on CNN. And it kind of caught my eye this week about this Yale grad who goes from Wall Street to homeless in L.A. Was it so, a cricket? No, he wasn't a crackhead. Well, he does drugs now. <laughs> and according to the, his article, well, let me back up. I'm not supposed to laugh. I'm so sorry. Back that all the way up. up. I don't know if he does drugs now, but his brother said that he had some type of injury a few years back before he became homeless. Painkillers? Yeah, he got addicted to painkillers. But apparently, like, this dude is from Texas. He went to Yale on a full scholarship. He's a valedictorian of his class. He's a black man. And he went to Yale, right. And apparently, L.A. has, like, the highest number of homeless people. He... They got great weather year-round. Really? That don't don't mean shit. I mean, that's why homeless come... That's why homeless people come to certain areas because of the weather. But then also, L.A. is really damn expensive, too. They so. ain't paying for shit. They're homeless. Yeah. They just need the weather. They can't, they can't fucking afford to. They just need the I'm weather sweet. to be right. So, okay. can, I, can I finish about this man? Okay. Thank Go. you. So, he worked. He used to work on Wall Street. Um, he left Wall Street, moved to California, started his own business. Apparently, he was in the adult film industry for a little bit. Oh. So, and apparently, he had partners in this porn industry business, right, in this film industry. So, apparently, they had a dispute and were fighting over some things. And by the time they settled their differences, there was no more business. Oh, wow. And, right. So, he had no business. He had no income. He eventually lost his house. Um, He was living in his car for a little bit. He eventually lost his car. So now he's homeless. And they also interviewed his brother for the article. And his brother was saying that, you know, he does have the option to go back to Texas and live with their father. But he is saying that he doesn't want to be a burden to anyone and that it's his mess and he has to clean it up. And he is the one who can he's the only person who can get him out of the situation. Why are you laughing, KB? Why is that funny? I can't see it. I'm sorry. It's not funny, but it's like. I don't get it. I mean, his ego must be like super fucking high. Like yeah. you have family, you have a support. You know how many people don't have a support system? Like get right. the hell out of here. You clearly can't get yourself out the shit. Right. You and your Yale degree. True story. Anyway, because bitch, so, you can go work on it. You can go work at the goddamn McDonald's. Like I'm just saying, don't be above shit. So. Anytime I hear about somebody who is, like, down on their luck dealing with painkillers, like, I immediately always think of Prince. Because, you know, we love Prince. And to find out that, you know, he overdosed, it's kind of like this disease is not a respecter of persons. So it's kind of like you could look at people on the outside looking in, thinking that they're on top of everything and... You know, they just really have their stuff together. And you, it just goes to show you never know what somebody's going through. Then also, there was this documentary um, that I watched 
I want to say last year. I can't remember if it's heroin or if it's um, some type of painkiller. But either way, Baltimore. You mean opioids? Yes. Thank you. Baltimore. Heroin is not a painkiller, ma'am. It's not. <laughs> what are we doing? It might be killing somebody, pain. Can I finish? But either way, Baltimore is like the nation's leader, I want to say, in opioids. So just watching all of these people or even just driving around the city, you can see how drug addiction has really killed like entire neighborhoods in the in the city. So hopefully he gets his stuff together. But, yeah, I'm like, KB, like if you got somebody willing to help you, you better take that. But I know it's it's probably a part of the sickness too, right? And I think yeah, I just yeah, because a lot of times they just don't even think about really getting that help or whatever because of the of what they're going through. But can you guys go? Yeah, would you? Can you imagine what life would be like for especially people in the black community had we taken sickness, which is addiction, and treated it like that when the crack epidemic hit? Like we yeah, were well, too- the crack epidemic, we were set up to fail because the government right. traded our neighborhood. They, but yeah. they treated it as a criminal kind of situation. But that was yeah. very but, uh, intentional. My, my, it was intentional. But my thing is, where would we be today had we treated drug addiction as a sickness from the start? I just wanted to say that, but go ahead. You're right. So also interesting to note before we move on to the next story is that uh, Mr. Pleasant, that's his last name, also has a boyfriend. And someone that he was dating, right, before he became homeless. And they're still together now. Like, they oh, still live together on the street. That's, no, that's, that's real love. love. That's love. I ain't being, I'm not homeless for nobody. No, ma'am. Mm-mm. No, ma'am, Pam. Right. So, I don't know what happened to his mate. He's not really mentioned that much in the story, but moving on. So we're all very familiar with the college admission scandal, right? Particularly with Lori Loughlin and Felicity Huffman. So, <laughs> right. I'm a little perturbed. I don't know about y'all that Felicity Huffman pleaded guilty and only got sentenced to 14 days in a federal prison. Girl, and you know, it's probably going to be some it's somewhere be like Ed. Yeah, like Dan Barry. She going to be playing tennis. Like Martha Stewart Arnold Palmer's and having lobster and ish for lunch. But you know what makes me mad about this whole situation? These people were paying ridiculous amounts of money to mm-hmm. get their kids into these Ivy League schools. But yet and still, you have people, especially black and brown people, mm-hmm. who are changing their addresses just to give their kids a better opportunity to go to better elementary and middle schools and high schools and they're going to jail like mm-hmm. serving real time real time yeah, yeah. absolutely it's so a quick. joke this shit is a joke like that yeah, chick absolutely. is a joke the system is a joke it's a joke that's right. it that's my opinion thank you so last wait was that last week this week i don't know my days are running together so in any event so yeah speaking about know- somebody who else need to go to jail go ahead <laughs> So you all know, last week I attended the White House Initiative on HBCU conference, and I have been doing that pretty much for the past like three or four years with my current job. Why are you making that face, Shook? Listen, the <laughs> only reason why I go is for two main reasons. One, so I can network and find potential internship opportunities for my students. Are you gonna you gonna add them K's on the end of your words again this week? Probably. We'll see. I how hated I feel. it. I hated it. Can we not? Go ahead. Sorry, Sarina. Put some respect on her name. In any event, the second reason. Lavender! I'm so sorry. <laughs> Watch y'all, okay? <laughs> I can't stand y'all. So, in any event, the other reason why I go is because my school, I, um, at my school where I work, I also host an HBCU summit. So if I can meet presidents, vice presidents, provosts, whatever, and invite them to come to our summit, that's like icing on the cake. So I made a lot of great connections this year. What I was not excited about was 45 being the keynote speaker at the lunch on the last day. I was not excited. And it's funny because actually, because my friend and I got there late, we ended up sitting at a table that was super close to the front. 
and security was there. Like, all that good stuff. KB, I can't see in your face. So, in any event, um, he came. And in the beginning, I was like, okay. Like, I, I like what you're saying. I feel it. And then I sat there and thought about some more. I was like, nah, nigga. I don't like this. Because you're not telling the truth. Like, you're not. Like, this is bullshit right now. And even though, like, yes, HBCUs historically do better under Republican administrations, but this not this one. Like, I'm not buying the Kool-Aid. Sorry, I'm not drinking it. <laughs> Didn't he have y'all, like, waiting a whole hour for his ass to show up, though? Like... He did. And they were playing some random-ass music. The only two songs that I knew were One Song by Tina Turner and Hey Jude by The Beatles, which I was quietly happy to hear, and I started singing at the table. Oh, we know that was a disaster. So look, (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want to either. Sit down in a rotate. Proceed. So, So I thought it was funny that, you know, he was kind of boosting himself like i guess he does that a lot so you heard him boosting himself up yeah like who's going to beat me and saying that these numbers are good like what he's done for hbcus i thought that was hilarious when i was reading this article mm-hmm. i also just kind of wondered like you know so he was saying that you know he's done all these things and and what has actually kind of come underneath him uh, one of the things he touted was about schools that could not get federal funding because they were a religious institution. So he yeah. tried to directly coordinate that back to saying they were unfairly punished by their religious beliefs and noting that the Justice Department new opinion will apply to 40 HBCUs. From now on, faith-based HBCUs will enjoy equal access through federal support. Now, I'm sure when he did this, he was not thinking about HBCUs. Let's be real clear. So anything that was done was probably not done with HBCUs in mind. I just, I'm not going to believe it. So I just thought that that was pretty funny. And I had to ask one of our own politically astute friends to say, you know, can he really kind of make this claim that it's because of him that, you know, black people, period, he was saying how there's a low unemployment rate, which I still think some of that's from Obama. You're not going to tell me otherwise. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she, what she did clarify, and this is a shout out to uh, KG, uh, funding does come from the Congress. So the president can't necessarily do anything to help HBCUs from his own budget. He can make rules within the Department of Education that can in turn help HBCUs. Again, I just don't believe that he had HBCUs in mind. I mean, maybe he did think about, oh, this is going to look good for black people because his ratings he are so it. low. He but, didn't. But she agreed with you, um, Ellen, saying that there is a thought that HBCUs tend to do better. And I'd love to find out why. Like, what is it about? What are they doing or what is their goals that help to directly, you know, or indirectly, really, to help HBCUs? So I would love to have someone come on and kind of talk more about that in a future episode. Right. So it's also funny to note, like, thinking about on the things that occurred while I was at the conference because the Secretary of Education was also there, Betsy DeVos. And we all know that she is a strong proponent of school choice. And I'll put the word school choice in quotes. So she was quoted as saying earlier that HBCUs were real pioneers when it comes to school choice when she was speaking to HBCU presidents. But of course, exactly. Wait, she said they were... It, like they wanted that was a choice that part oh not realizing that black people can be educated at the pwis in this country <laughs> lady because like, of segregation are you freaking serious yes, exactly oh, so like she's clearly uninformed but very much so unlike jamel hill so jamel hill got slammed also a few weeks ago for the first article that she wrote in the atlantic saying that African-American athletes should attend HBCUs rather than enriching PWIs or mostly white schools. And a lot of people who kind of bashed her for her comments called her a (laughs) pro-segregationist and were calling her racist. Right. Exactly. Can we just first stop there? I just want to stop there right there. So the, the word racist, they keep throwing this shit out. If you are just simply pushing up your own, not tearing down others, how can you can be considered a racist? So when I think about racism, I think about prejudice, discrimination, 
um, mm-hmm. or even antagonizing another group based mm-hmm. on their race. She's not doing that. So why are you calling her a racist? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Exactly. They just use this racist word and just go to town with the shit. Like, she's not a racist. And listen, I also think Jamel Hill has, like, copied my comments and my thoughts because I've been saying this shit. Like, I've been saying this shit. Like, we have been been run in run for these white schools for however long and and making them money. Yeah, we've been making them money. Like, making them big money. It, it, it will take, let me tell you this, it will take a sacrifice. We have won over the years through sacrifice, one group deciding to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a group that has to sacrifice themselves almost, right? Because you have to help build that program. So if those elite athletes come to HBCUs, for one, I think that the scouters will find them and still follow. That's one. Now you get the opportunity for money to come into HBCUs because we know the education is there. The education has never been an issue at an HBCU. Okay, Absolutely. let's be super clear about that. So when you start talking about accreditation, that is a money game. From what I know mm-hmm. of it, it's about having enough money to pass these tests and have these stipulations and certain things in place. I, of course, I'm not an expert, so hey, you guys can get on me about that. But HBCUs don't generally, let me say generally, have an issue with an educational level. We are still graduating Mm -hmm. top blacks in STEM. Engineering. Yeah, the whole STEM program. Like, don't play with us, okay? That's just point blank, period. It's going to take a sacrifice from some group of people to say, we can really make a shift. We can be Alabama, University of Florida, Florida State, and bring our athletes back to the HBCUs. Because at this point, what we're doing is allowing for colonizers to once again get free labor. This shit is free labor. Like they're probably paying some of their athletes underneath the table or giving them certain things. But overall, this shit is free labor. So we're once again slaving. We are getting an education in the process, but we are slaving. So how can we bring the talent back to a historically black college and university? I wish, I wish, I wish someone would make that sacrifice. And I think I make the sacrifice. I don't even think it's a sacrifice, right? Because I think you're getting an excellent education. I'm only paying for an HBCU education for my child. And I've said that on this podcast numerous times. She can go where she wants to go. But what my money will go towards is an HBCU. So I just right. I just wish. I love right. what Jamel Hill said. I think she was in my head. I think she didn't heard me say this before. I, I'm just going to keep saying that. I just kind of wish that we could make this move because it would shift the paradigm of where HBCUs are. Shug, do you have a, a comment about her article? Um, no, cause I didn't read the article, but, um, <laughs> okay. What, what, Thank you what, for your honesty. What the hell? Listen, Wait, let the, I'm just going to let that go. Let that go. <laughs> we ain't got the time. We ain't okay. got the time. Just let okay. that go. No, but. So what you going to comment on? <laughs> well, I guess this goes, <laughs> shut up. It goes into the discussion about okay. HBCU. So my question that I wanted to ask the both of you is, because, you know, all three of us went to an HBCU. Shout out to Florida a Shout out to Florida a University, 1887. Woo-woo. So, question for you, both of you. What made you decide to go to an HBCU? And second part, what made you decide to attend FAMU in particular? So, for me, my parents, went to an HBCU one. My parent, both my parents went to South Carolina State. My mother got her bachelor's there. My dad got his bachelor's and his master's. And most of my family went to South Carolina State or Savannah State. So I grew up going to states, homecomings, like all that good stuff. I wanted to be a champagne girl because I thought all schools had champagne girl. Those are the dancing girls with the band at State. Okay, so I was like, what? A champagne girl? I thought every HBCU had a champagne girl, and at nine years old, I wanted to be one. So <laughs> for me, I was introduced to HBCUs very young. Honestly, and I always share this story. So maybe I was like 12 or 13, actually probably younger than that. And it was a Saturday afternoon, and this TV show Stomp came on. And... It was all members of the Divine Nine, well, except for the Adelis, who stepped and competed. And the Deltas, my mama was a Delta, were from Florida A&M. And I was like, oh, Florida A&M, I've never heard of that school before. Um, And my dad, like, I grew up in South Carolina, and my dad lives in Florida. So I looked up Florida A&M. I saw it was an HBCU. I saw they had a major I was interested in. 
And I was like, oh, okay. Like, FAMU is also an option for me, in addition to South Carolina State. Made it to eighth grade, ninth grade. My mom and I are talking about schools. And she said, you know, if you go to South Carolina State, I'll come. Vi- I'll be able to come visit you every weekend. I was like, oh, going to FAM. <laughs> 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 like, that was a choice. Um, and she was like, no, I was just kidding. I won't come visit you. I was like, no, we're not taking no chances. <laughs> so, wow. So, yeah, so that's how I ended up at FAM. And it was probably one of the top three best choices I ever made in my life. It's like to this day, I don't regret it. For sure. I came to FAM because my parents actually went to FAM. They actually met at FAM. So I grew up, my sister and I grew up going to fam, you baby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I had to work for my shit, unlike other groups. But anyway, so. What's that supposed to mean? Shape, not us. I know, people, not us. I'm people that have to pay for their children to get into these elite schools and colleges. Oh, you petty. I just got that. Okay. My <laughs> Sorry, I had a blonde moment. My apologies. Lavender. Lavender. Okay, so moving along. Uh, so, yes, my parents went to FAMU, and I grew up going to FAMU games. Like, the classic used to be in Tampa. And anybody that knows the Florida class, it was a big game with uh, us and BCC. And don't tell me they called BCU today. Fuck that. They BCC. That part. So, wow. you know, we grew up going to this game. So, I mean, I, they didn't tell me we had to go to FAM. Like, my sister was going to go to FAM because she was majoring in pharmacy. And I ended up choosing FAMU, not just because my parents, but they had an excellent pharmacy program. And I knew that. So I always believe in picking schools based off of the programs. And I knew that they had an excellent fam, um, pharmacy program. And that's how I ended up at FAMU. How did you end up at FAMU? end up there? So majority of the people in my family ended up going to an HBCU. So my mom went to Alabama A&M. My dad graduated from a PWI, but he went to um, Bishop State Community College. So that's at HBCU back home. Then my aunts, uncles, so some of everybody, Alabama State, Alabama A&M. Then my cousins went to FAMU. So how I got introduced to FAMU, well, first and foremost, since everybody went to HBCU and coming up watching A Different World when we were growing yes. up. Yes, that was a good one. I was like, I can't wait yeah. to go to college. Yeah. Yeah. I was so world. excited. I was I just like. I want to go to Hillman. Me right. too. If that shit would have been around, bitch, I would have went. Yeah, Hell exactly. Yeah. So that planted the seed. So how I decided on FAM was there was a group of my my family and my mom's friends. So they got all of us together when we were in high school and took us on a road trip. We went to a FAMU football game. And at the time, I was in the band in high school and I saw the hundred perform at the halftime show, and I was like, "Up, oh, that's it. I'm going to fam. I wanted to go to Alabama A&M to follow in my mom's footsteps, but the Delta was off the yard, so that was a no go. And they didn't have my major, so <laughs> Alabama A&M was out. And then also, I didn't want to stay in state. I didn't want to be one of those people that's just Alabama is all that I know. So ended Wait, up applying. I, I'm from Florida, and I stay in Florida. Like, what we trying to say? But you don't live in Florida anymore. So that's next. So I I applied to FAMU and I ended up getting a full ride. I only applied to two schools. I applied to FAMU and Auburn because my boyfriend at the time went to Auburn and they gave me a partial. So it was like, I'm going where the money is and I wanted to go to HBCU. So that's how I ended up at FAM. Well, I had 75% of my tuition paid because of the Florida Merit Scholarship. Nice. So I had to pay my freshman year, but after that, I got a full ride. Oh, look how we worked that money at. Mm-hmm. Amen. That was all God. Them. Wasn't it? Jesus. One of the things I think we think about when we t- think about Jamel Hill is what she's saying and just HBCUs in period, I think we have to give back. And I think that was one of the things the article Absolutely. mentioned, right? about mm-hmm. the money that these schools, these PWIs are making. And, I mean, we've all kind of gone to for grad school to PWIs. I know 
Mm -hmm. and I did. So the thing is that they do give. Like, I get a damn email, like, every week from my university, my second university, talking about alumni giving and so Mm -hmm. forth. And I get phone calls. So it's like... Really? Oh, yeah, I get phone calls. They don't play them games. Mm -mm. Oh, am I about to get phone calls? You're going to get phone calls. Don't worry about it. They have graduate, like, alumni. Yeah, Yeah. happy hours. Mm -hmm. Like, they have Mm -hmm. a plan of how to get their alumni. organized. Yes. So it's like, Mm -hmm. we have got to, and I know we are... All three of us are very active in our alumni and fan use alumni association. And I just implore any and everybody, even if you didn't go to an alumni, like an HBCU, fucking give back because that's helping right. out so many, True story. you know, young black people. Of course, we know that the school um, is not completely black. Like they have other races there. Anybody can go to these schools. Um, but Which is you know, different from how PWIs used to operate, but we're not going right. to talk. Well, we are going to talk about that. We'll talk about yeah. that later. So I Go just, ahead, I just want to implore people to think about giving on an annual basis, on a consistent basis. It's not your time, your money. I mean, any donation helps. So, you know, things like Be Out Day, which if you're in the Atlanta area, check that out. Philly, we have an annual scholarship brunch. D.C. does a whole lot. And I know Florida is lit all through the state with doing things for HBCU. So wherever an HBCU is close to you, they have something going on. This is how you can support until we can really, really shift this paradigm and really get that money going to the HBCUs. Absolutely. So I also think it's important to note that in today's climate, especially, I think it's like our students and I say are probably because I work in education, but black students, I think when they go to PWIs, depending on where they go, they may have some problems. Like I still talk to students who graduated from my school who are in college who talk about the experiences that they have at some of these major schools being a minority student. There was one student who actually graduated this past year who Syracuse was his number one choice for a very long time. And he and I had a conversation because he didn't know if he was ready to deal with the racism that he would experience being in upstate New York. So he decided to go to Howard. Um, There's another student that I have, KB, you know her who was at the University of Rochester and she came back to visit one year and she was like, oh, you know, Miss Ellis, fine. Like the school's fine, but she's like, there are still racist people up there. And it's hard. It can be hard for students, unnecessarily hard. Like there are already so many things that an 18 year old who has moved away from home the first time has to deal with, right? Like being on their own, meeting new people, being responsible, you know, for themselves and then having to deal with racism, whether it's blatant, you know, or hidden, that's a lot. It can take a toll on you emotionally and may affect how you perform in your classes. So my whole take on the thing is I feel like everybody should go to a HBCU for undergrad and yes. go wherever you want to go for your master's. I agree. I'm I'm totally on that. Y'all know I am. It's like sure, sure. I think just the experience you get at an HBCU. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not like, oh, I've been around black people. No, you meeting black people from all over the world. All over. Like, yeah, because it's not even just, you know, here. It's Africans. Like, it's Egyptian. Like, well, I'm saying Egyptians. They're, they're Caribbean. Africans. Caribbean. Caribbean. Like, like, you're meeting mm-hmm. an array of black people. And it's an amazing. And, I mean, listen, where else you going to go when you see people from the bottom who got on leather shorts? Like you just not gonna see that shit nowhere else. <laughs> and pink Timberlands. girl. Oh my god! So that was the first thing that I thought when I got there. I was like, everybody wears pink polos. Yeah. Everybody has fucking dreads. Yeah. Everybody has gold in their yep. mouth. And they be and they be educated. And they be educated. I think it's Florida though. Yeah. That's, that's like yeah, that's a Florida thing. <laughs> but. <Yes. laughs> And I'm like, okay, I wasn't so I don't I don't live that far away from the Florida state line. And it was just like a whole nother world. It was like, wait a minute, what is this? I had never right. seen leather shorts and I'm in Florida. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Shout out to 305, 954, and the rest of y'all. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it's an amazing experience, and I pray that my daughter wants to get that. Because, you know, having now going to a PWI, I'm just so glad I went to an HBCU for, you know, my first degree, my doctorate degree. Like, I just, I'm glad because. 
I don't think, I don't know. I have gone grown up going to both sides of schools, right? I've gone to predominantly white schools and I once went to a predominantly black school for one year. And then from there on, it was like a mix. It was like a 50, 50 situation. But like you guys, probably I was in classes with mostly white people, right? Cause Mm -hmm. you know how they would separate us out. So it was nice to be around different people with different opinions and you could express yourself. They are so relevant today. Like HBCUs are still relevant, even though we don't have the level of, you know, racism or segregation, I would say really segregation, because we still have a lot of racism, even though we don't have the segregation. There is some segregation. There is. Depending on where you are. Yeah. As far as like how they cut out lines and put, you know, schooling, Mm -hmm. you know, districts. It's not nationally enforced like it used to be. Exactly. So even though we don't have that, you know, I still see the relevance of what an HBCU can do for a young um, mind of color. I would just say of color, period, you know, mm-hmm. whether that be Hispanic, um, Asian, whatever you are. I just think that that experience is not like none other. And I always feel like the professors just take such a liking to you and Absolutely. just um, a care for you that I just don't see. We we have line sisters that are professors and they fucking love their kids like they love them damn kids and i mean shout out to the baby that came to the live podcast because dr brown pelham sent her yes Yes. that's just kind of how it goes right and it's just a connection and even when you leave out an hbcu man y'all know we meet other people from other hbcus and it's like they fam right like it's it's family it's a reunion it's family because we already know even though our experiences may not have been exactly alike they are similar and they are still so important right so and I even had this guy I'm never gonna forget he worked with me at my first job here in Philly and he played football at a PWI that's why he went there because he wanted to play football and he would kind of come around us and kind of hang out with us and you know how our little network here is and Mm -hmm. I remember him saying to me one day man Y'all be having me wish I went to a, a HBCU. Like, y'all mm-hmm. just be so, like, connected yeah. with each other. And, I mean, we have people mm-hmm. from Tennessee State hanging with us. Like, it just does not matter. You went to an HBCU, so you are, like, with You're us. Cool. Like, you right. cool. And it was right. so funny because, you know, we generally hang with other HBCU people. So, to have PWI people with us, it'd be so hilarious. Like, they just be like, man, y'all are just so, like, y'all y'all talk to each other after college? <laughs> you know? And it's like, like yeah. yeah. Like, this is lifelong relationships that yes, we develop absolutely. like mm-hmm. my friends were in my wedding like my maid of honor was my freshman roommate like yeah mm-hmm. you know she's my my daughter's godmom. my homeboy was in my wedding like mm-hmm. these are lifelong relationships that we end up developing mm-hmm. that you just I can't think even us too right yeah. like the three of us I still talk yeah. to y'all asses yeah. and I don't know why some days Really? Oh, what are we doing? You don't know why? After, after damn near sixteen years, this how you gonna do it? I'm so sorry. Really? I'm so sorry. So uh-huh. I think it's also the note to KB to, to what you were saying. I think not saying that you know students who go to PWIs aren't prideful about their school. Like they, like there are some who definitely are. But I feel like those of us who went to HBCUs, like long after we graduate, like there's just so much pride and joy that we have in representing our school. Um, and also this week is HBCU week. So yes. like myself and my coworkers have been wearing, you know, paraphernalia to work. And of course I'm the odd man out because everybody and their mama went to goddamn Howard at my school. You know what? I'm gonna rock my shirt tomorrow at work. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Yeah. Hell HBCU yeah. Mm-hmm. So most of my coworkers who went to HBCUs went to Howard. So, of course, they like to rag on me when I wear my family stuff. And, like, there was one teacher today who kind of, like, came for me. And I was like, you need to burn that shirt. Because he had on a Howard shirt. He tried to walk past me real slow to make sure I saw him. I was like, oh, do you want me to give you another shirt so you can change? Because you need to burn that one that you got on, sir. <laughs> but don't let nobody from a PWI come for us. That part. <laughs> no. Don't you will get jumped. You will get shirt. You will get your fucking it. feelings hurt. You will get right. your feelings hurt. And like even like the not only the students and the staff at my school know how much I love fam, 
But like I was saying, we host an HBCU summit every year. And there was a white teacher last year who helped us. And I encourage everyone the day of the event to wear a shirt or some type of paraphernalia from their favorite HBCU. And she asked me if I had a shirt that she could borrow because she wanted to represent fam. And I was just like, oh, that's amazing. Like, you, like just goes to show you can still support even if you didn't go to the school. But sure, you yeah. should still go to the school. <laughs> I agree. Go to the school. Go to the school. But I think it's also important to note, especially because I do work with a lot of kids. And I feel like this year, my seniors, a number of them want to apply to FAM, number one. But also, number two, a lot of students are first generation college students. And college is expensive nowadays. Like, it's not cheap. So It was expensive when you were there. It was expensive, but now it's super expensive. Like I looked at the tuition at like fam, and I was like, "Oh, okay. how much is it now, girl?" Like sixteen thousand a year. Yes, girl. Oh, see, so you have a lot of students who are first generation college students. They don't really know anything about school, about paying for it, nothing. So at PWIs, they may not get the support that they need, even if they're admitted. I feel like HBCUs give opportunities to students who are smart, who make the grade, who they know can perform well, but who may not have an opportunity at a PWI counterpart. I agree. Yeah. So one thing that I hear from a lot of people that go to PWIs is kind of like if they don't have a strong black student union, yes, they kind of feel like lost in the sauce, mm-hmm. kind of like... Where do I go to find somebody who looks like me, somebody who understands some of what I'm going through? And it was like, I just didn't want to have to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like I have the rest of my life to deal with blatant racism. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I I just was like, I didn't want to deal with that. I wanted to have that sense of culture and black pride instilled in me before I had to step into corporate America and have to deal with, you know, some of the things that we have to to face on the daily. Mm -hmm. But question. So here's another thing. So now that, you know, that idiot is in office, it (laughs) seems like the numbers of HBCUs are actually increasing due to all of the blatant racism. Mm. Oh, you mean enrollment? Yes. Enrollment. So I think people are starting to understand and recognize the significance of HBCUs. So do you think that possibly the enrollment numbers might drop once 45 is out of office? I hope not. I hope not either. I hope people remember, like they don't forget like the issues that we had and why there's a surge, there was a surge because we know that there was a decline, right? So right. Mm-hmm. I hope that we can start building these numbers back up and bringing back up enrollment and that people don't forget where we could go back to if we slip up again. So I, right. I hope that's not, and it, it, like you say, I do think it's like kind of a feedback system where because we have so much going on right now, people are running to be somewhere where they will be welcome and don't have to worry about those things. And not to say everything is perfect with HBCU, but it's nothing perfect in nobody institution. Right. Hello, come on, nobody somebody. institution. Even when y'all talk about you know how much it costs to go to HBCU, I'm not gonna tell y'all how much I paid to go to to Drexel University. Like right. that shit's my private. Com- yeah. Like my let's not go there pay for that. Yeah. yeah my, well, my company mm. paid for a portion of it. They don't. They stopped mm. like paying for mm. fuckers to go to go back to school. So I still had to pay out a portion, and then I got a scholarship my last term. So it's like let's not think like these other schools has got all this, you know, giving all this their money out. Yes, in certain right. cases, but again, these schools are costly. Taxing. Yeah, yeah, and. You definitely want, and I think that's something Leah mentioned last week about, you know, understanding why you're going to school and what you're going to school for. So I think that's something important to think about when you're thinking about a school, period. It don't even matter what school it is. But again, I'm always going to advocate for an HBCU, but that right HBCU for you. Absolutely. I agree. And I also wanted to share some significant numbers because it's not just about the experience, right? It's also about what happens after you graduate. So it's important to note that 40% of African-Americans are members of Congress, 50% of African-American lawyers, and 80% of African-American judges graduate from an HBCU. 
we all know that, of course, the first Supreme Court justice, Thurgood Marshall, went to Howard University. Be more. Y'all, why my daughter talking about Howard University? I don't even know what this shit's about. I I mean, I'm happy. She can say what Auntie L. It's okay. It's the Mecca. It is the Mecca. It's the Mecca. Uh Uh-uh. I get it. I mean, I, mean, I, I want it. her to go to fam. Right. I, I want her to go to fam. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. We get it. <laughs> You I know, you know. I called the professor. That and was like, so is she talking about going here? I need you to look out. Like, of uh, course. And, and, you know, and I need to know about this this DST line, bitch. Oh lord, oh, god. Don't be that parent. No, Don't no, no. I ain't. I ain't gonna hold no hands. I'm probably gonna be getting her harder than anybody. Oh, my God. You really oh. gonna say it down the podcast? Oh, I'm so wait. I'm so wait. <laughs> <laughs> we do not condone. We do not she condone. Edit that part out, right? <laughs> <laughs> clean, clean that up. <laughs> so I think this is a great conversation about HBCUs and irrelevancy, and I hope that you know this will jog people to really think about what contribution they can make to an HBCU. How do we look at HBCUs? And really stop thinking that the damn PWIs are so much better than HBCUs. Like, this is not a downgrade to go to a damn HBCU. We are literally doing just as well as a lot of these PWIs. And, I mean, there's stats on this stuff. So we're not, not just, better. Yeah, it's not better. We're not, like, coming out of the woodworks with the shit. Like, we, this shit is really what it is. Not to mention, even, like, in corporate America, so the company that I work for and even my previous company they have a tendency to target HBCUs because, again, mm-hmm. like we were talking to the career coach last week, we produce, like, there's so much talent. And we check a lot of boxes for these companies, like black females, black STEM. Right. So right. it's a no-brainer to go and recruit at these schools because pretty much 98% of the population is going to help them diversify their portfolio. And that's exactly what they're looking for. True story. And, and here's money. Yeah. And here's a little thing. I, it was one of the articles that we, we looked into um, about, you know, how HBCUs don't prepare students for success. This is like a myth, right? That Correct. students that graduate from HBCUs are actually thriving. There was a survey conducted by Gallup Purdue University where 55% of black students who completed their degrees at HBCUs reported that they felt the school prepared them for life after graduation compared to 30% who did not attend an HBCU. Also, 51% mm-hmm. of black HBCU graduates surveyed said that they were doing well financially, while only 29% of their non-HBCU counterparts. Now, that might just be in some sort of, you know, nurturing that happens that really prepares you to go out and, and tackle and, and be able to compete. Like, we seriously try to, we know how to compete against our counterparts. Absolutely. So, I just think that that's something really, really good. I, I, I know some people think that HBCUs are party schools. That shit's a lie. I know a chick who went to Florida State, her ass went home after the first year. Fuck out of here. That shit happens everywhere. Let's stop. Got to be more careful. Got to be more careful. That shit does not just happen to no HBCUs with no doggone partying. I can't stand that. Also, people think that when you go to HBCUs, and we mentioned this earlier, you only have black people around. That shit's not true. There is a mix of people. There is starting to be more white people coming to HBCUs. And I think y'all mentioned this in a previous episode where... You know, they're getting scholarships. So they ass is coming to yeah. HBCUs too. Absolutely. Don't play with they're getting minority proponent. scholarships. Yeah. I'm a proponent of anybody going to school for free. Absolutely. Anybody. Absolutely. Yes. I agree a thousand percent. So I think it's interesting to note that for our I Am Woman Hear Me Roar segment, that Angela Davis was one of 12 women inducted into the Women's Hall of Fame this past weekend. And we all are familiar with Angela Davis. She's an activist. She's a former Black Panther. And she supports equal rights, social justice, and women's rights. So kudos to Miss Davis. Did she I go to an HBCU? No. Well, you should have picked somebody who went to HBCU. Oh. What? Wait a minute. It didn't have to be HBCU related. I wanted it to be HBCU related. Really? Is that what we do? Then you should have looked it up. How about that? <laughs> Now, you want to take this over? Oh, wait. No, this is your segment. You remember? Thank you. I I, I remember. Oh, my God. Well, while y'all are fighting. Oh, wait, there's another one. I'm sorry, I have two this week. Why? No, but y'all really like this because at first I had 
the one I'm about to give you. But then I saw that Angela Davis was inducted into the Women's Hall of Fame and I got super excited. So the second I Am Woman Hear Me Roar is Ayanna Presley. We all know who she is, a congresswoman from the great state of Massachusetts, because she is calling for the impeachment of Brett Kavanaugh. And we all remember who Brett Kavanaugh is, correct? Yeah, we know that mofo. No, you don't. KB don't know. Ah! I know his name. No, he he just, he didn't even do the something Supreme with. Court yeah, that's it. Oh right, God. because another woman has come forward and made sexual misconduct allegations against him. So Ayanna Presley is working on a resolution that calls for an impeachment inquiry for Justice Kavanaugh. All right. So I hope she's they, successful. They, bet, they better get in line with everybody else who try to impeach these uh, colonizers. Thank you. Teflon Dons. Right. Well, hopefully he won't get reelected, but that's another conversation. Jesus another can day. move them. Jesus can. Well, thank you, oh. KB. Well, all right. Before we <laughs> go to the next segment, I do want to, although we're Delta's, I do want to shout out the AKAs for their initiative on oh, HBCU yeah, Week. I saw that. So okay. cool. Tell the people what they did. Tell the people what they did. So they have a campaign where they're trying to highlight like all of the achievements of HBCU alumni. They're trying to raise money for scholarships for HBCUs. So kudos to to them, our sisters in Greekdom. Yes, that's it. Yes. No, I don't say that. So (laughs) I... Yeah, y'all leave that shit out of this this year here. Yeah. Just, just congrats, you know. Um, I, I'm so ignorant. I'm like, you are so. Why? But listen, they what? No, they're they're actually attempting to raise one million dollars. I think it was. Okay. For HBCUs. Yeah, yeah, awesome. for HBCUs. Yeah. So I was like, hell yeah! Like I want. Now, this is one time I want everybody else to freaking follow them, right? Like, just follow, mm-hmm. follow goodness, whatever, wherever it come from. Yes, like, it don't even matter. Goodness. So That's a motto. Oh, I like that. So, I'm That's just cute. I'm just thinking, like, hey, the K's and stepped up and did this. They're trying to raise a million dollars, and they're going to do it. Like, let's not, they're going mm-hmm. to do it. Let's yeah. start all kind of, again, contributing and doing what we need to do as well. So, shout out to them. I, I ain't going to take no, I ain't going to take nothing from them now. Shout out to y'all. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. You know what I wanted to do before we go to the listener question? I also wanted to highlight some other significant and prominent HBCU alum. Aside from Thurgood Marshall, I got sidetracked. So my boo, Michael Strahan, of course, Oprah Winfrey, a lot of Tom Joyner went to HBCU. And he's so. doing so much for HBCUs. I'm going to be so Absolutely. sad when he goes off the air. Y'all don't understand how much of a I gap that's going to be. Next year. This Next is his year. last year. Oh. I'm going to be super sad about that because that man has contributed so much to HBCUs, to the black community. I mean, I love listening to his morning show. I have to listen to it on my app now because Philly took shit off the radio. Fuck ass. I was like, he's not on the radio on DC. But you can listen either. to it on his on the app, Black America. Oh. Yeah, blackamerica.web. And then, um, you know, he has his own app called Tom Joyner Morning oh. Show. So you guys can listen to it on the app. I listen to it every morning on my way into work. Is he advertising for us? Because you suddenly just pointed him. I'm giving him a freebie. Okay. Okay, very well. So, Shug, what's the listener question this week? Okay, so the listener question, hold up. Let me make sure I I say this correctly. So, somebody, hey, shut up. So, somebody sent in a question, and the question is, What do you do when you're sleeping next to the same person every night, but it feels like you're in a long distance relationship? Leave. They can't leave. They're married and they have kids. So that's not, that's not not an option. So I just need to go to counseling. Yeah. Counseling for sure. So I actually just gave this advice to another one of my friends um, recently where I said, you know, think about when you had really good times, what were y'all doing? Like at that Mm -hmm. point. So kind of try to think about the dates that you, and don't go to the damn, don't go to dinner. Don't do nothing with no food involved. Don't do the typical stuff. Don't go to the movies. Like if y'all went to doing something like putt putt golfing, like simple shit, like just think about those days that you were happy. What were you doing? And try to bring those things back. Now, I'm not going to say every time that that person is going to be amicable to it and go along with it. 
But I mean, it's a try that you can you can attempt to make. And especially if you feel like that person is a stranger, there's distance for some reason. And that might be a way to get that back. And I think I've said this in, the, in an earlier episode. Check in. A lot of times we think everything's good. Mm-hmm. You have to ask the question directly. So if you land right. next to that person in the bed every night, motherfucker, ask. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. let's not suspect. Let's not, you know, oh, my gosh. You know, I know something's different. Ask that question. Yo, I just want to check in. Like, how are we doing? How do you think we're doing? Here's what I'm thinking. So those are definitely the two things I would definitely say. Check in and just kind of remember what you guys used to do for fun and start trying to figure out, like, how can I implement some of that stuff? Man, go on Groupon, live in social. That shit can be cheap if you don't really like their ass. This shit can be cheap. They ain't got to know you had a Groupon to do this little activity. But True I think those, those little things will help bring a smile and, and just conversation, maybe. But counseling, for sure. Absolutely. And communication. People don't mm-hmm. talk to each other anymore. That goes yeah. to what you said, KB, about checking in. But... Let's talk. Don't be afraid to talk to your spouse. If you can't talk to your spouse, who can you talk to? Somebody else. Oh, God. And that's how you get a divorce. That's what I'm saying. So if y'all aren't talking, please believe they're talking to somebody else. Like, it might not be immediate, but they're talking to somebody and you want it to be you. So before it even gets to that point, have the conversation. But me? Okay. It's not a secret. (laughs) I like sex. So my oh, idea is okay. um, get a babysitter, drop the kids off with grandma, go get go to a hotel, y'all role play, whatever, like do some some little, you know, sometimes you just need a good little smash session to smooth that thing on out. I'm just saying. So, you know. But I feel like that would just be temporary. If that you is don't temporary. Fix the under- if, yeah, if, if you don't fix the underlying issue, right. then it's not going, your marriage not going to last. Right. But. Everybody, I could talk to you all day long after I have an orgasm. I want to talk to you after I have an orgasm. Listen, please do not follow Shug's advice on this. It ain't it, sis. It ain't it. I'm just she saying. She said, I'll talk to you after I fuck you. <laughs> it ain't it, sis. Don't listen to Shug. Fucking you make it all better. <laughs> That's a wrap. It's only temporary. It's not permanent. Right. But I agree with y'all that, yes, counseling probably needs to to happen. But, you know, have a mass session to break the ice. Break the ice. And if the person doesn't want to go to counseling, I mean, that can happen. Like, let's not, you know, if especially if we're talking to some black people, we know how that can kind Don't of go. Generalize us I'm like not generalizing. That. I've said this before. We can't put those stereotypes we do. out. We um, do have an issue. But with some of us do, and it is yeah. it is in the in the data, right? So mm-hmm. if you have that complication, man, trick their asses. Okay, that's probably not a nice thing to say. But you can make get a therapist. No, you can get the, yeah, you can get some books, you can read some articles and discuss the mm-hmm. articles to each each other but then also hell have the therapist meet y'all ass at the park and be like oh we're gonna go for a walk in the park and then start talking to the bitch and they don't know that that's a goddamn therapist like i don't know good idea hey i just thought of that shit like it just came in my head so (laughs) you know think of ways like you say articles and just kind of reading up on it and Mm -hmm. having discussion like hey let's talk about this or what do you think about this article you know make it a night of discussing stuff right so i mean that might be another way to help break the ice and you're not just getting educated about issues, but you're also educating your partner. So I think that's something that's super important. Absolutely. So if I can add this, I meant to tell you all this earlier. So you know my pastor's doing the series Gracefully Broken yes. this uh-huh. month, correct? Yeah. So he made mention that at the end of the series, on the fifth Sunday of this month, he's going to have counselors available after each service to talk to church members about whatever issue they may be going through. And I thought that was major. That is right. Because there is a a common myth that, you know, pastors don't believe in counseling and you only go to God, but mm -hmm. we know that you need to do both. And my pastor talks about counseling as well. So that is a huge myth that I'm, I'm glad that he's living into what, we should be doing and everybody doesn't do that like there are people who don't believe in that but there's all kind of people so I think that's amazing right thank you so additionally if you would like to support HBCUs and find out more about them please visit the Thurgood Marshall Fund and the United Negro College Fund online if you would like to support us 
make sure that you rate and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to and that you follow us on social media, the Files on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, if you would like to send us an email or if you have a question for us, please send us an email to femnoirfiles at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us. This has been another episode of the Fem Noir Files. Bye. Thank you.